everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me once again is my Senior Editor, Jude Seymour, and Chief Inspector, Brendan McAlinden. Hi, boys. I, I, how are you guys doing this week? Good evening. I uh, I called my father yesterday for his 72nd birthday, and the, one of the first things he wanted to talk about was how much you guys ripped on me for missing this podcast last week. So I just <laughs> want to say I am here. I am thankful that my father is listening to us, and I will, in honor of his birthday, I'll try to keep the F-bombs to like under 10. How about that? I, I, you know what? I, I will. I'm going to try my hardest. I got a rant planned though tonight. That's gonna be so, I'm say. so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you shouldn't probably commit to things you can't follow through on. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that rant in relation to this weekend's game against uh, Clawson's uh, Clawson's Wake Forest team and that slow developing mash running play? And because we're going to break down some Wake Forest, right? I'm really excited you mean, you mean about the walk, the spread walk. Yeah, the spread walk where they just sort of like meander. Just meander up to the mesh point and then uh, take it and then sort of fall forward for five yards. We're, we're talking about that, right? Wake Forest. It's Wake Forest week. Let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we're talking about Wake Forest. Uh, we're yes. up, we're talking about Wake Forest being a Christmas present all of a sudden. Oh, wait, what? I think they start the 12 days of Christmas, don't they? Oh. December 12 days of Christmas? I don't know. I, I never really. Well, if the, game's on Dece- if the game's on December 12th and it's 12 days of Christmas, that would stand to reason that it is the first day of the 12 days of Christmas, right? Because doesn't I'll the 12th day of Christmas end right before? Does it end right on Christmas or before Christmas? I'm not 100% Christmas sure. Or, is, the, is the 12th day Christmas or Christmas Eve? I see. I always get them mixed up between when the the twelve days of Christmas start and when uh, Happy Honda Days start. The the two things <laughs> sort of they, they kind of get mixed up. I mean, I, all I know is that I there is Christmas wrapping paper being sold right now in stores. Uh, there are it's on the shelves. All that right next to you. Listen, right by Halloween candy, right by like summer seasonal potting stuff. Uh, it's it's. Fucking fantastic time to be alive. There, there's the first F bomb. <laughs> well, let's get into a real reason why we have an F bomb, and that's why we're dunking. Um, we're not playing football this weekend, right? And we're not playing. No, football. no, 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 no. I mean, I'm we were sure never going to play football this anymore. weekend. But the Notre Dame football team is also not oh, playing football. Right. Well, maybe I will play football. <laughs> Getting your your turkey bowl started early, or? Well, you know, you got to get in the reps now to make sure that you show up in uh, on Thanksgiving. Sufficient dad bod shape. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't put in the work now, then how do you expect to, you know, get those dividends uh, when you're stiff arming kids this, uh, well, you can't. The first thing I thought of actually, I think Brennan had the same exact thought, which was, is this game going to move back to Charlotte? Because I think that there was a, there was an announcement that they were going to play this game at Wake Forest at the, at the stadium. What is it called? Trust field. And truest tourist field. Sorry, my truest, bad. Truest bank. Truest bank. And um, this was supposed to be originally at the Carolina Panthers Stadium, Bank of America. So I was wondering if they would go back um, because, as Brendan noted, the, the the news release just said the location will be announced. Um, and I just thought that actually could have set up a really interesting scenario in which. You play Wake Forest in Charlotte at the Bank of America Stadium on December 12th, and then you're maybe 
playing in Charlotte the following weekend for uh, for the uh, uh, ACC championship. Is that possible? I think that's that's what that's what it seemed like to me. Um, there's a possibility. There's definitely a possibility. But of, of those two games, only one of them is sponsored by Duke's Mayo, friends. That is true. Which is obviously the more important. And, of and only games. one of them will have a half a Dr. Pepper halftime toss, or is that not ACC? No, the other one's going to oh. have like a, um, no, that is, a Duke's Mayo. Big 12, right? Oh, SEC have a, Big 12, yeah. It'll have a Duke's Mayo halftime uh, punt where you got to you gotta punt the ball into like a vat of mayo. That just made me sick. How about a guy <laughs> tackles you at full speed and you fall into a vat of mayo? Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. Sign me up. It's got one of those uh, so like you're, bridges you're, you're, from American your bo- Gladiators. Your bones will be as mushy as the mayo. Right? How about you, you have it? to uh, – your uniform was dipped in mayo and sat out in the sun for a week uh, before <laughs> oh, you wore hair. it. Yikes. <laughs> um, All right, so I we got that, we got some they, we got some stuff to talk about tonight. Yeah, we I got hope some the stuff Notre to talk Dame about tonight. Charlotte is ready for uh, for this uh, possible two week uh, stay down. And I was also thinking that this would be a great time to reintroduce fans because their name is already on record saying that if the COVID situation is going okay, they're gonna they're gonna welcome back fans for that December fifth uh, Syracuse game. And so it stands to reason that if we have fans in the stands. On December fifth, that we should have fans in the stand on December twelfth. Would that be fair? We could, but we're gonna we are gonna transition into that part, Jude. Okay. You gotta get you gotta do the you gotta do the order. Okay, my bad. Order podcast. <laughs> it's banter. It's banter. It's uh, reviews, and it's back into uh, all of our other uh, BS. Do we have some Let reviews? Yes. Yeah, so let's get some business out of the way. Let's here. do it. All right, so again, uh, leave a rating and review over there on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that is very important uh, for some algorithm reason. Uh, plus, I just like to we like to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, the five star reviews are very encouraging, and it doesn't have to be a five star review for me to to read it. I will read every review, uh, but hey, that's what we want, right? We we want a we want a five star. We're going out. We're getting that five star. I'm freaking I'm Nick Saban right now. OK. All right. So uh, we got a couple of them for you tonight. This one is from and they're both five star reviews. So I appreciate that. Uh, this one is from Johnny Lombone, <laughs> a solid microgone five star pod. Solid listen for anyone looking to get their indie football fix. Mostly football talk with some random shenanigans sprinkled in the mix. Maybe four and a half star because Josh is regularly talking over the guys. Good stuff, nonetheless. All right, Johnny Lombone, don't <laughs> make me put you <laughs> on my shit list. I was gonna say I feel like that's kind of a problem for all of us. Uh, I try so hard not to do that to you all, but you know, sometimes we get excited, right? I'm the loudest, so I'm gonna be the one that gets that gets the blame. It's just like my kids; they're upstairs and they're all three, you know. You know, messing things up. Uh, whoever was the loudest is going to be the first one I yell at. Right? That stands to reason for me. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just logic. Yeah, it's just logic. So, appreciate the five-star review there. Uh, random shenanigans. There's no way I ever hear the word shenanigans without thinking of uh, Super Troopers. Like, that's just burned in my brain for the rest of my life. 
All right. So the uh, yeah, last review here. Uh, another five star from Basically on Fire. Ah, that's such a good screen name, man. Basically on Fire. Uh, so enjoy you guys. But it's strange. I find myself laughing like crazy when you argue, probably because it reminds me of my brothers and I going at it. Keep doing what you're doing. Wishing everyone good health. Well, thank you. Basically, I mean, is he basically on fire because his brother set him on fire <laughs> during a I mean, Basically. I mean, I was ready to throw a fuck or a Molotov is that, over a Jude. Is that a, a level of NBA jam that uh, wasn't introduced in the final version of the game? He's he's he, he, he's basically on fire. That's the one that had Michael Jordan in it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's the cheat code. That that's is the that's code. the cheat code. That's the cheat review. Excellent. All right. So now that we got that business out of the way, let's get to the business at hand. Uh, Notre Dame. Everyone, we got no game. It's an empty. It's an open date this week. By the way, it's going to be an open date next week. So we've got two weeks here without uh, without Notre Dame football during the college football season. Um, that is all due to that lovely virus, coronavirus. And uh, where do you guys where do you guys want to start with this? Like, do 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 we want to talk about the blame game going on with South Florida? Do we want to talk about? Uh, you know, is this going to happen again? I mean, what kind of what kind of conversation do we need well, to have, well, I have a couple, about us? I have a couple questions for somebody who's been, been paying a little bit more attention here. Is this indicative of any kind of increased outbreak amongst the general student body, or does this seem to be contained within the the Notre Dame football team at this point? Looking at the dashboard, it looks like it's the Notre Dame football team. I, I it just it seems like somehow the it got into the locker room and it spread. And we still don't have the full counts, right? I mean, there there was rumblings that there were more than the uh, the thirteen players um, that there might be more. On you know, what, what, what was it? There was uh, over the weekend there was uh, was it four or five guys who tested positive for seven. the uh, yeah seven. Um, so there, I don't know. It's um, there could be more on there. The, the the South Florida angle is they're not playing either. So South Florida has canceled their upcoming game this weekend. South Florida, I do not believe to this point, has announced whether or not they have any positive tests. But what they're doing is they're well, reviewing the game film. and They canceled their game. They, they had to cancel it. Yeah. Because they had to cancel today's practice or yesterday's practice and today's practice. And it was one of the things Kelly said earlier in the season where if you have to cancel your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday practices, you're not going to be able to play the game that following week. So South Florida is basically in while they figure out their contact tracing, they are um, contact tracing. They are shutting down football activities until they get everything sort of handled out. Cause it sounds like somebody on Notre Dame's roster tested positive and played in the game. Although that's something that Notre Dame denies, right? That, that anybody who tested positive so far has, was not a participant in that game. Um, none of the ones who had tested positive before the game. So what can happen is, I guess, I don't know why you can, you can be, 
That's what the um, that quarantine back, is for? You came back negative on Friday and or Saturday morning or what, whenever they came out with the results. And, and then you but, were on Monday. But then subsequently after that test, you contracted coronavirus. Is that the, is that the theory then? Or maybe you had it and um, you just didn't test so positive. So what you're saying is we need those rapid tests uh, as a player enters the, the facility on game day, basically, right? Well, I don't know. I don't uh, – I'm not a virologist. I'm um, not. Nor do I, I play I one, nor did I stay to Holiday Inn because um, who's staying in hotels these days? Uh, so there's a lot less smart people out there. Lack of uh, Holiday Inn Express. As a matter of fact. <laughs> Oh. It's the most uncomfortable, uh, nice hotel stay I've ever experienced in my life. I've, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing to be in a very nice hotel room and completely feel like you're at a fucking uh, motel on Crack Street. You know what I mean? Ugh. So like any any hotel or motel in the state of New York in the summer of 2012 during the bed bug uprising? Yeah, pretty much. You know what I mean? That's a, yeah, that was a, that was a bad mental experience. Yeah. So South Florida is, uh, they're canceling their game and I think they moved forward their game to the third. And the reason why Notre Dame didn't push forward the game to October 3rd, which they have an open date for is there's no way, um, the players who are in quarantine are going to, I think the self-isolating players might've been able to get back. So the players that actually did test positive, some of them probably could have gotten back, but anybody who is in contact tracing they're they are for sure. 100%. I think one of the days, one of the more interesting things I think about all of this, and I, I think it's one of the things that isn't quite getting talked about enough either. Um, and this is strictly like from a football sense is that, you know, when the ACC came out with the schedule, they had the ACC championship game down as December 12th or December 19th. And that gives you the sense that, okay, in case something happens there at the end, they're able to, uh, I, I guess, for the championship game, then move that to the 19th. Yeah. Uh, apparently, that was not the case and maybe wasn't the case initially because, you know, I didn't realize they moved Virginia, Virginia Tech to December 12th right away. Uh, and so then now that's the home for Notre Dame. It's basically like the open. It wasn't the open date. It wasn't the ACC. They weren't worried about this championship game. You know what I'm saying? Like there, if that doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. But they wanted to make sure they were doing their best to try to get in. All of, Does that make sense? Like they're. Of all things that were important to them, the season, the, reg- the season itself, the regular season was more important to them than the championship game at this point. Only two teams play well, the championship I, game. Well, and I think it also makes sense that you know you gotta you can't put the the cart before the horse, right? You got to get through September before you can even start thinking about right. things like championships and bowl games and college football playoffs and everything like that. So, I get it. I, I just, I guess, my question to you guys is. If, if South Florida isn't playing and Notre Dame isn't playing, then one, is there a suggestion that the, the disease was transmitted between the two teams uh, during game day? And two, is this the first instance of two teams coming in with a somewhat clean record? Although I think Notre Dame announcing seven before the game suggests maybe that it was already present before the game. Right. Um, but then also subsequently, like, 
trashing another team because I think that's what we were worried about with, um, you know, Western Michigan was that their protocols weren't going to be up to snuff and all of a sudden their name was going right. to play them and, and, and it, it, w- it would waylay their season. Like, did we just, did we just give it to South Florida in a way that South Florida didn't have, or did, you know, they I, have I had no positive tests. So South okay. Florida has yet to report any positive tests and what South Florida is doing at this point is, but is that because strictly, they're, well, they're, they're treating their entire team re- as contact tracing. But were they like not reporting? Because there, yeah, I mean, there's certain like, schools out there. Like Georgia Riley, is not reporting. Was it like Lincoln Riley, where it was like a schematic advantage not to report? Right. So was South Florida just not reporting? When Notre Dame's been publicly open about uh, at least about you know kind of what's going on, other schools aren't doing. Are they're not all doing that? Um, you know. So uh, you, I, I guess I don't know. I'd have to look. I'd have to look up and find out. It, it, it was USF just not reporting what their results were is all here's, here's the official, here's the official word from them. Um, USF would not disclose the exact number from Wednesday's testing being today. Uh, but a spokesperson said that there was a very low number of positives and there's no way to know if they were a result of the Notre Dame game. Uh, the school said they had tests on Friday before the 52 to nothing loss and Monday's testing resulted in no positive cases. So Monday they had no positives. And then a spokesperson for uh, USF, the vice president of athletics, Michael Kelly, said, with the health and safety of our student athletes and staff, as well as mitigating the spread of the virus, um, our primary concern, given the outbreak among team members and our most recent opponent and subsequent contact tracing within our team, our postponement this Saturday's game at FAU is at is the right thing to do. So it sounds to me like they're doing it strictly precautionary because of contact tracing and uh, or contact tracing because and I and I've seen things before where they were viewing footage to see if Notre Dame players um, who had tested positive, which I would imagine the two schools have then disclosed that information uh, with one another, which is an encouraging sign, by the way. Um, I, I guess I just feel that this is more of a Notre Dame thing. Like I, like it's, it's a funny ha ha to, to, to blame USF because of Florida. Uh, but I just, this just feels to me like this is, this has been, a, this is a Notre Dame issue. Now, whether that was students or maybe that was somebody's family member traveling to the game, I mean, it's it's hard enough to contact trace, but also to like get an actual like real cause setting. Uh, and I'm not sure. I guess I'm not sure what's important and what's not. You know what I mean? Like, is it important to know exactly where that came from? Uh, Maybe. I mean, it, it helps you fight it off for the next time around. Uh, but I guess this is the beginning of the disaster scenario that people were worried about. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, how this. Yeah, ends, I mean, we I guess two, how this ends up two weeks from now is, is we. Yeah, we got two, we got two games under our our, our belt. And I think when um I think when I wrote an article a couple months before the season started, maybe even to announce the South Florida game, I put up like a poll that said, you know, what's Notre Dame's final record on the season? And I gave like some, you know, really standard options like 11 and 0, 10 and 1, 9 and 2. But I also gave 2 and 0. And, you know, I said that kind of off the cuff, but like um, there was a, there was a feeling at that point that 
we would start, but nobody would know when we would actually finish. And now it feels like two weeks in we're you know, we're sort of committed with this, with those momentum that's happening. But, um, you know, the idea of, of playing a seven game season now seems a lot more likely than it did say, um, you know, a couple of days, probably Saturday after the game, you know, I think Saturday after the game, we were, we were feeling like, you know, they had done it what they pretty needed. good. Yeah. They felt like we they had done what they needed to do to keep these people off the field. And, you know, it's clearly, as somebody, you know, said in our group chat, it's clearly wreaking havoc in the, uh, the locker room. It's probably taken out a position group. I think it's fair to say. Um, and so now it's time to, uh, to reassess and, and to try to see if we can get this under control so that we can play a game on October 10th. And I don't yeah, I, think that they would have a problem. They're going to play the game on October 10th, right? Barring some sort of unforeseen second secondary outbreak. Well, we don't know what's going to be going on with Florida State at that point. You know what I mean? That's like true. some of the stuff is completely outside of our uh, outside of Notre Dame's control. Like, yes, Notre Dame is going to do everything in its power to to nip this That's in the bud, true. to isolate the people that the habit, you know, to do the 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 um the quarantine of the people that were um, uh, related to the people that are, that we know have tested positive. I'm sure that they'll, 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 they'll take all those steps. Um, but, but, you know, here's it two. also, it also stands to reason like this is going to screw up practice for a while. And, yes. um, and you might say to yourself, Oh, well, as long as they get the practice weekend before the, the game, they should be okay. But like, I don't know. That's that's a weird thing to just kind of like take a week off in the middle of the season and not actually like put on pads or anything, you know? Right. And this is a look, this is I think there's two things we know for sure or two big two big points to pull out here. Number one, it is going to be like a freaking miracle to get all these games in this year. I mean, it really is because it's not just Again, like you were, like you said with Florida State, we may run into an issue where Florida State can't play, and so then there's another game. That's three weeks open then, and Notre Dame has one more bye. I think it's what November twenty first. Uh, but then, yeah, yeah. Remember. But then you get past, so you get past Florida State. I mean, what what happens to the next team? I mean, it's just kind of like it really is just uh, like like a flip of the coin, uh, or at least what what it feels like. So you don't know what, exactly what's going to happen. And then the second thing you get from it is like, there's no way in hell the Big Ten. I mean, ACC has some contingencies yeah, built in. Three weeks of open. Yeah, yeah. three. Big Ten we has said that. We said that on the last podcast. That, that right. it made no right. sense that they were going to pull off nine games in nine weeks. That's like, absurd. Well, I'm just saying, there's no way. They're, and by I can not see building Ohio in State those, like four by not no. building in those buffers, they they're really screwing themselves because this is going to get wacky quick. Which is like. You know, uh, like we're seeing that right now. Like this is yeah. wacky right now. Right. Minnesota is supposed to play Wisconsin or something on a weekend. And then all of a sudden, like Wisconsin can't go. So now Minnesota is looking for a dance partner and they wait for like and they find out like Rutgers lost its dance and partner. Big Ten rule state. The Big Ten's policy is 21 days. Wow. So let's just say there's a mini outbreak on a position group like Notre Dame's had, but like at Wisconsin. That's 21 days. That's three weeks. That's three games. Yeah. How does, how does it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a damn miracle. It's going to be an absolute miracle. So 
But what, but what you were saying, Jude, about, uh, you know, hey, at least you have the game week practice. That's uh, that's something I wanted to bring up tonight. And I want to talk for you. I want to talk to you guys for a minute about Ian Book. The slander of Ian Book this season. <laughs> it's got to fucking stop. It absolutely has to stop. Whatever your feelings, whatever your feelings are about Ian Book and what his limitations are or what he can and can't do, I'm going to tell all of you right now, none of you, no one, no one has gone through what these players are in college football are going through right now. I don't care if you played, I don't care if you played four years at Notre Dame and then 10 years in the NFL, you've never had to deal with this shit. This is not, this is not normal. This is not conducive to improving uh, who you are as a player to start the start, stop, start, stop, start, stop the uncertainty, the isolation. I mean, just the mental games alone that that can play on you. And I don't know, are mental games good for a quarterback? No. Uh, are they, they're not good for pitchers either. Ask Nuke Deloosh. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's insane what these guys actually have to go through to play. And now I am not, I'm not saying, you know, just, you just gotta take it. You just gotta take, it. I'm not really saying that. I under, I understand people are going to be upset about, uh, maybe not, hit, you know, overthrowing a guy, you know, 30 yards off the field, whatever it is. But at the same time, you have to keep in mind, you absolutely 100% have to keep in mind that this is not anywhere near ideal and this is not anywhere near normal and you should not expect any, anything that's close to it. Now, and the next time someone says Trevor Lawrence, I'm going to, my head's going to fucking explode because Ian book is not Trevor Lawrence. I, you, you can't make him into that. That's not who he is. And to sit there and keep thinking that you're going to get that. And you say that's not good enough to win. it. Maybe it isn't. Okay. Maybe it isn't, but that's the best thing we have right now. So I don't, you want to keep dragging the kid through the fucking mud uh, for not being a thunder God. I mean, Oh, what the hell's wrong with you and your life? I mean, this my world is turned upside down because I have three kids at home e-learning and I have two full-time jobs and my wife works and I feel crazy. My wife feels fucking nuts. I mean, I just said this, uh, this stuff affects you in so many different ways. And so to expect Ian book to improve as a player amidst these, uh, this climate or in this climate, I don't think that's a really, a, a thing that you can expect. That's not something that's, that's even reasonable. So, you know, maybe I am saying just shut up and take it uh, a little bit because this, this is, this is what it is. And I'll tell you what, though, what I am seeing after two games, uh, I'm seeing a Tommy Rees offense that I'm starting to fall in love with a little bit. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, we still don't have Kevin Austin on the field. Uh, we just got Braden Lindsay back. I, I mean, it's not like there's a whole lot going on in the wide receiver position right now. So, you know, add all this into it. What do you expect? How do you expect Ian Book to respond uh, come Florida State? I, you know, I don't know, but I am sure glad that we have an offensive coordinator, an offensive line, and a running back, you know, room that can just run the football and a defense that 
tackles. That's good. That's a good thing. So lay off I, of the slander on Ian Book. The only thing I would say is Notre Dame can absolutely 100% win a national championship, not 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 being um, not a hyperbole. They can win a national championship with Ian Book as their quarterback. Alabama won four national championships with Greg McElroy, two with A.J. McCarron, and one with Jake Coker. These are not supremely gifted talents at quarterback. All of them were three stars. Uh, Greg McElroy's stat line in that 2009 season, he threw for 60.9%, 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, four picks. The most important thing that Ian Book needs to do, and then McCarron and Coker sort of followed the 66% completion and then limiting turnovers. If Ian Book can throw the ball with accuracy and consistency, and just not turn the ball over, which guess what he hasn't done this year. They can do it with the offensive line and the running game that they're featuring this year. You get Clemson at home, it's going to be cold, and it's going to be miserable. You can make the game ugly and win the game in the trenches and beat Clemson in a football game if Ian Book plays smart and plays his game. But if if people are out there expecting Ian Book to sling it like, Trevor Lawrence or sling it like insert Oklahoma quarterback. That's not what we have for hey. our team this year. And in, like you said with Tommy Reese, that's not the offense Tommy Reese put together. We've seen the offense Tommy Reese put together. We have two, three, four tight ends on the field at one time. Uh, <laughs> hey, ask those Oklahoma quarterbacks to show you their national championship ring. Ask those Oklahoma yeah. quarterbacks to show you a, a playoff bowl win ring. Right. I mean, the the only one that has one is fucking Jalen hurts when he's at Alabama. I mean, (laughs) so that, yeah, I mean, so yeah, you're absolutely 100% right. Uh, It just so happens that Clemson is not just Trevor Lawrence. They're really good fucking football program. They're really good. They're a well run. They have good players. So every time I hear that's not good enough for Clemson, not only do I want to just like, just murder something, but it doesn't have to be about that. It just doesn't have to be. And just because, you know, if Ian, let's just say Ian booked through for 400 yards, the first game and, uh, you know, at a 70% clip and this last game he threw for, you know, 280 and a 70% clip, you know, he's got seven touchdown passes. I mean, what's that? Does that really say anything? I mean, honestly, I don't, I I don't think so either. Question for you, Josh, in terms of the Ian book slander that you mentioned, like where is this predominantly coming from our fellow fans? Is this, is this a a feeling you're getting from the beat media? Is it a combination of both? Like where, where do you feel like you're hearing this the most national writers? No, this is, this is mostly, uh, this is mostly fan generated. Okay. Uh, but I mean, but beat writers, uh, B writers have been critical. I mean, that's, I mean, that's part of the job. Right. Uh, but, but I mean, it's sometimes it's a little over top with, with, when you don't provide context, uh, which is the most important thing to anything that you talk about is to make sure, sure it's within the right context. Um, the national guys, I, it, it basically being book just kind of, di- kind of disappeared out of the conversation a little bit, which is fine. Like if you were talking him up as a major factor, and he's just not a major factor. 
because that's really not how the offense is operating right now. They're not, that seems like the national guys are a little more like cognizant of like, okay, that's fine. You know, <laughs> good defense, good running game. I don't see a lot of that, but I mean, it's really mostly, you know, our fans, uh, just, so, I mean, I see it a lot because, you know, running the site, running the social accounts, uh, you know, you, you, you see a lot of, a lot of bullshit out there and I'm not, and I guarantee you, I didn't change anybody's minds. <laughs> you know, the, the first incomplete pass, the next incomplete pass Ian books book throws is going to be the worst pass in Notre Dame history. Right. Uh, to, <laughs> to many of those people. So, but it has to be said, you have to think about, you have to think about this again. Context is King. What is happening all around us that makes you think that Ian book is getting all the, the, the necessary tools and help that he needs to become a better quarterback than he was last year or the year before. And it's just, it's non-existent. And he, I mean, so the guy does and but he's not like he's, he's working his ass off. You don't have to drag him through the fucking mud to make you feel better after a 52, nothing win. I mean, my God, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, we won 52, nothing. I'm going to, Take this opportunity to say Ian Book will never win a national title it, for us. I, I mean, I think other well, people. You know what? Brady to... Quinn didn't win a national title either. All right. Take I think that. Other... Are you are Brady Quinn kings out there? Take. I mean, come on. I think other people have alluded to this, but what a entitled position Notre Dame fans have have gotten themselves into, um, considering where we were in say two thousand, even two thousand sixteen. You know. Um, when you talk, there was a lot of talk in this past week about the 2011 South Florida game and, and what, what that game meant to Brian Kelly's program to that point. And I, I think it's just amazing that we can have conversations about being disappointed in the quarterback play in a 52, nothing game, uh, <laughs> instead of, you know, I thought this, uh, offensive line was supposed to be great with all these, you know, uh, guys with all these double digit, uh, starts under their belts. Um, what's going on? Why aren't they executing, you know, special teams looks listless or, you know what I mean? Like things that plagued us in the past. Like, I think people forget how much extra points and, and field goals were just an adventure and they were usually not a good adventure. It was just like, it was heart attack city every single time. You know, guys went out there in like say 2005 and 2006. You know what I mean? And it was just like something you just could not rely on. And to have a guy like Jonathan Dorr miss a field goal the other day, it was like almost like shocked the conscience of so many people because he's just become sort of like automatic, uh, as close as you know automatic as one as one could get. And Justin Yoon before him. And I think that 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 bears everyone kind of taking a step back, taking a deep breath, and saying this is a great position to be able to worry about the little things to worry right. about the fact that our quarterback was only 12 for 19 for hundred and whatever yards, you know, it's just, it's so what Brendan, a great, what a great place. Brendan, you brought Jude brought up the, uh, the offensive line. Uh, and there's been a lot of fans that have, uh, that harped on the offensive line, uh, especially in the first game, but there's some there's someone out there that uh, that thinks that the offensive line is is doing a, a pretty okay job. Yeah, the uh, analytics and well-respected pro football focus um, 
they have a massive hard on for the Notre Dame just blocking in general this season. So Liam Eikenberg, for example, the uh, current left tackle for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, um, the most recent left tackle, and currently it is at his point, he is the only left tackle in Brian Kelly's tenure at Notre Dame to have not been drafted in the first round because he hasn't had an opportunity yet. <laughs> well, Liam Eikenberg is the only offensive lineman with an 85-plus grade in both run blocking and pass blocking this year, according to PFF. Um, the He is the second highest overall uh, offensive tackle in college football at 91.1. The, the leader is uh, Tevin Jenkins, a guy at OK State, uh, 91.7. Um, they played a total of one game. Uh, the Notre Dame offensive line is the highest rated offensive line in college football, which is on, you know, it's, it's to be expected because both weeks two and three, because I guess, you know, the first week was, um, you know, the fun belt and, um, assorted teams, uh, you know, that sort of, yeah, the, the Navy beat down, right. Uh, Notre Dame was the offensive line of the week, according to Pro Football Focus, weeks two and three. Not only is the Notre Dame offensive line uh, PFF rated really high, do you know which two players have the most QB pressures, uh, you know, through three weeks in college football? Well, it's Chris Rump, the second, and Victor um, DMKG, both of Duke. So Notre Dame has played an, a defensive line. Uh, I, and this is the Boston College line that certain members of the media think deserve to be first team all ACC, uh, three out of five players, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we went through that. And there is a hail joint being smoked uh, when it came to their line uh, being ranked that <laughs> high. Um, but then also, not only is Notre Dame's offensive line just pro football focus is raging about Tommy Tremble is the most, according to them, the most positively graded plays among all power five tight ends, Tommy Trumbull, Notre Dame. And then they put in their tweet, dash, 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 large gap, dash, 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 <laughs> Jordan, Miami, Noah Gray, Duke. So he's also the second highest, uh, graded tight end through three weeks, Hunter long of Boston college, um, is the highest at 92, but Tommy Trumbull's right there at 91. All I want to know is, is where do they rate their fullbacks and where do they rate their full ends? <laughs> uh, they're going to have to insert something for Notre Dame and full ends and his grade probably dropped down. He would be above Hunter long because of that one run for four yards that he had. Um, I think uh, I, I'm not sure if it counted as a run success uh, for down and distance at that particular point. <laughs> I it's it's kind of insane. It's like you have a you have a large portion of the fan base and a, a fair amount of media members trashing them, and then you have all of a sudden you have these the the analytics and uh, film review guys going, man, they're these guys are freaking good, which makes you like just um, oh gosh, it makes you first of all a little upset that you're going to miss out on, on football Saturday, but also very hopeful that this season continues because the trend lines, I think, uh, and the analytics guys, I guess, agree, uh, or I agree with them is, is very positive. So I want to keep this going. You know, one of the things that, that I was disappointed with, with the, uh, with the wake forest move, 
um, you know, out, outside of, you know, not playing it this Saturday was there was a scenario where um, the Wake Forest game, there's a scenario where the Wake Forest game would get moved to November 7th and the Clemson game would get moved to November 14th. And I was like salivating because that's mm-hmm. like one more week into a South Bend November. Yeah. 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 You know, and I'm just like, and you would have given up the bye week for that. Well, the way you would have pushed Boston like, college to the bye week to the 21st. Yeah. You would have given up the bye week. Yeah. Well, see, well, that's fine. I, I think the other names would be better off not having a bye going into Clemson. You know what I mean? And for sure. Okay. I, I, look, Michigan will not escape my mind. Uh, so, well, right now the bye weeks before Friday, North Carolina. So it's a weird, right, a right. weird time and day and a bye but week saying, before way, North Carolina. The way that this offensive line uh, is working right now, like getting it deeper into the season, health, you know, staying healthy. Uh, and the way Tommy Rees is shaping this offense into more of a, a power game, plus you're going to have, uh, you know, Kevin Austin back in the mix. Uh, with a Braden Lindsay, uh, uh, I mean, Superman, Tommy Tremble. I just, I, I started thinking about that for November 14th Clemson game, as much as I was just cussing everybody out for thinking about those things that did get brought up. <laughs> I didn't think about it because that was a more of a big picture thing because of the schedule. Uh, I thought, man, that, that would be, that would be better. I mean, there's some simple, simple analysis. Uh, that would be better. Uh, but that's not how it happened. But man, it had me thinking for a minute. I mean, I think I I just think Notre Dame's in better shape than people either want to admit out of like their own cowardice for jinxes, or they're just or they're just straight up pessimistic. Um, I think you know it, this is a good football team. And by the way, I mean it's just it, I mean it's it just it's so it's so frustrating because Notre Dame has a a good, if not great defense. And for years we were bitching about Notre Dame's defense being just a, I mean, just, just the weakest unit out there full on. Like you got no defensive linemen and they have playmakers on defense. They have, they are extremely deep in the front seven. I mean, this is a, a good to great defense. And so a lot of these woes that people are worried about, you know, that Notre Dame's not going to put up 30 points, you know, on a team like Clemson, maybe they don't need to. Yeah. Maybe, they, I mean, maybe I mean, this defense might be good enough to say like, you know what? We're going to own Clemson's offensive line and we're going to track down and kill that long haired motherfucker. That's living down there in Clemson, South Carolina. Do you know how many weeks into the season? It, so Notre Dame currently has five sacks on the year. Do you know how, and there wasn't a ton of opportunities last weekend, but do you know how many weeks it took in 2016 where they had 14 total sacks oh to, ha- to, to hit the uh, five they, sack number? Did they even make it? They make it once? It was, wasn't it? Wasn't it a week? It was week eight, wasn't it? No, wait, wait, it, no, week nine. I remember I wrote a story for, was I working for what? Since we like, we did like a breaking news. Hey, we got a sack. I mean, it <laughs> yeah. was, they got was their so first pathetic. sack against Duke week, week four. They got their fifth and sixth sack week seven against Stanford. Oh my that God. is very sad. It's very sad. Um, and just back then and 
I mean, even you look at 2015, they had 24 sacks, 26 sacks in four, or 15, they had 20, uh, 24, 14, they had 26. It just didn't seem like 30 was something that this this team was going to ever achieve in my lifetime. It just was like Notre Dame will never have the ends in order to be, um, you know, a, a capable rushing uh, team to the, that can rush the passer. But for the last two years, in 2018 and 2019, they've had 34 sacks. Mike Elson deserves, uh, like, or you know, Beth. Ba- back, 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 uh, in those cookies. Uh, we don't know. We don't know what uh, he's putting in there. Back, back when, uh, Wes and Martin were running things here, they did a, an episode. Uh, so it, it was based around that, you know, Brian Kelly isn't going to get a statue, but he probably deserves like a, a portrait memorial inside the joints or something <laughs> like along those lines. Like if he's not going to win a national title, they he probably should, which was a pretty high compliment coming from those guys who were, you know, fairly critical of, of Kelly. Um, and, but I mean, I just, I kind of feel that way about Elston right now. Like in a way, I feel like he has turned around a position group that a lot of fans have kind of left for dead. Like we were told so many people told us that Notre Dame couldn't recruit along the defensive line and that you, and you have to compete. You have to get these five-star defensive ends and blah, 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 blah. And Mike Elston very methodically has recruited, developed and produced really good defensive linemen. I mean, yes, some of those guys are, I mean, Dalen Hayes was a five-star one service. Jerry Tillery was a, you know, not, these guys aren't like all projects or scrubs, but what he's done depth wise is something I honestly never thought Notre Dame was going to get back to and being that deep up front where they are rotating in 11, 12 guys in a game, like in real snaps. And it's like, and they're all works. seriously legit dudes. They're not like, yeah, uh, like they, they, all these guys could be starters on in Weiss years. Right. I mean, it just, it's not Tyler Stockton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it really is incredible. It, it's something that I never thought Notre Dame was going to get back, ever get back to. I don't think they were ever that deep, you know, when Holtz was coaching we, and we had great defensive linemen yeah. at Notre Dame during those years, but I don't believe they were ever as deep. I think last year, um, like Eric Hansen, I think he might've did a deep dive or he talked about it quite a bit about the depth you know, the Notre Dame has along the line and they talked about, you know, it's never been as deep as it is right now. Like ever. I mean, can I say, I mean, can I, can I say that Pete Sampson? Uh, can I say Matt Fortuna? Can I say ever? I, uh, I think at this point you can say that you played it to the beat. QBs are going to fall rolling in the deep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so is, it, is Adele the, the pot artwork tonight? It just might have to be, which, which, which is going to, which will go great with what I got planned for the second half of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they are, they are literally rolling in the deep on the defensive yes. line. It's not even like Clemson where they're they're um, you know, they have a freshman five-star, they have two freshman five-star phenoms that are in heavy rotation on their defensive line. Notre Dame is getting, I mean, he didn't play last week, um, but Obia Gofu is a player that's going to factor in there. I mean, he hasn't really even had a chance to really flex his muscles, but we saw early returns from um, Ehrensberger, you know, the project from Germany. He spent his entire summer 
in Dusseldorf. Yeah. And then he shows up and somehow he's on the field game two and he records a sack and he's like a world. He's like the, he's the Dusseldorf dervish just back there, just blowing. people uh, up. Yeah. And I don't want to hear any caveats about who, who we were playing when he got it. It's a no, fact that he's a, he's a true freshman from Germany and he's blowing he up there. dudes in the back. He gets yeah. a sack. No, he's going to say he's got it. He had two tackles for loss. He had two tackles. He had, he had a pressure Both for loss. One was a sack. He had a, I mean, Hey, the guy, I mean, we may not see him much at all for the rest of the year. We might see Maybe him we again. will. I, who knows? I mean, the way yeah. that the contact tracing works, but I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a, this is a Mike Elston project that has been done beautifully. This deserves a, a, uh, you know, this old house, Mike Elston is fucking Bob Vila of the Notre Dame assistants. And then wow. uh, I guess it would be Bob Vila and an Adele uh, collab, collab collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this old line rolling in the deep. <laughs> well, I always crack up when people talk about Talk about growing up. They thought he was working on the same house the whole time. Because I did that. I, that was that, I was that kid who thought, man, he's been working on this house for a long time. Just trying to get it perfect. Oh, honing his craft. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a, uh, a quick break, and then, uh, then we're going to talk about some other stuff, I guess. So <laughs> stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, gentlemen. So what, uh, it's funny. I was on a, um, on a zoom call, uh, with, uh, some of our SB nation overlords and, and fellow, uh, uh, SB nation emperors out there. And so that we were talking about just kind of like just a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but one of it was like the challenges of the, like this season, uh, in particular because of the cancellations and stuff like that. And, you know, of course, I, I pulled out the line that I used back in spring where I'm like, hey, you know, just remember, you know, we're built for this shit. We're built to just to be able to do whatever. Um, you know, we have a lot of freedom, uh, you know, in that. But then I pulled out a story that they didn't know about. I, I let the, I let all of them know the inside joke uh, that uh, that I guess the only that we only I said, you guys know, this is a. Uh, this has just turned into an unofficial cheeseburger week in Notre Dame, right? <laughs> and they just kind of looked at me kind of funny. I'm like, you guys don't know the, the Charlie Rice cheeseburger story? <laughs> and they're like, no, but we're dying to find out. So I, so I told them. I, I told them. I told them. I did the thing. Told them the thing. And that's where we're at. We, we just got ourselves. If you, We have to look on the bright side of some things, right? So I suppose this is a uh, – a, an impromptu cheeseburger week, right? Those are always fun, right? They can be. I think there's, I mean, I think there's some things that we, uh, look, I am the one who said before the season started that Kevin Austin would lead the uh, team in, in receptions. And you are looking like a, and now I'm right looking now, like, like a, a savant. Like, you were looking yeah. like a savant, man. Because Brendan I, and I about laughed you out of the room. Uh, yeah, I thought you were nuts. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he is due to return for the FSU game on October 10th. Is that right? Unless there's some kind of setback. Um, 
that's what it's looking like. He's out of a boot. He's walking around. So <laughs> it's not like it's not like any receiver has distinguished themselves through two games here so far. So I was really excited about the the four targets, one catch from Javon McKinley last week. But, uh, <laughs> we don't slander Javon McKinley on this podcast. Either. No, his blocking was exceptional. <laughs> blocking is always exceptional. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I mean, you guys know what I had tonight for dinner? Uh, cheeseburgers, right? Absolutely, I did. So, so I want to ask you though. This it was the first time that I had this particular type of cheeseburger. So, like, I hate I hate making cheeseburger patties I just, or I hamburger patties. I just I hate doing it. Love it. So, I you know usually I'll get pre-made patties, not the frozen ones, but you know ask your butcher to make uh, make you up some patties or whatnot. The but the one in Hicksville will not do it, so I have to get that in Fort Wayne, which is fine. But uh, Kroger's didn't do it for me last week, and so as I always do when Kroger's doesn't have something, I'll swing back through Myers on my way back home, and so I just I went wandering over the meat section and, and I saw some some pre-made burgers, uh, and but it was a, a brand name of pre-made burgers, and I was like, huh, Wall burgers. They were the Wahlburgers, yeah. They're, they're exceptional. And they are exceptional. You see, and you're the first person that I've heard say that they're exceptional. I, I have heard nothing but bad things about Wahlburger burgers. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to throw caution to the wind. So I got got me two packages. I got to tell you, they're fucking incredible. They're, they do it a legit. They do a legit 80-20. What, what, uh, but it is, what it's so a funny look, it? though. I, they're just, they're delicious and juicy and they do I'm, a legit 80, 20 on their, um, fat to, to meat ratio. Yeah. So it's, that's marbled, what makes it, real, it's marbled real nice. Uh, yeah. so, I mean, I, I threw, I have a hamburger seasoning that I, that I just use for all hamburgers. So I just, you know, I throw a little bit of that on it and then just, you know, grill them up like normal. Uh, and they're, they're thick, they're big, they're big burgers. Big boy. Um, normally I, I don't grill, uh, burgers that thick. Uh, so I don't know, I, I, but I was amazed. Like I, I was planning for the worst cause I, I honestly had heard nothing but bad things about Wahlburgers Threw those bad boys on, had them and they were fucking delicious. They did look a little weird though on the inside. I got to admit that was a little cause for a little bit of cause of concern. So but I'll tell you right now, your first mistake, my gut, still, my gut loves them. I will never grill a burger again. I'm just going to say it right now. I think grilling a burger is one of the most overrated uh, means of preparing a burger. Interesting. Blackstone. I ha- well, you I- can you can blackstone it. You can put it in a cast cast iron skillet. It's really good to get that good yep. sear on it. But man, what changed yeah, my life is I watched I watched the the Food Network and um, there was Worst Cooks in America and Alton Brown did I don't know it was a few years ago he did a cooking thing to teach these terrible chefs how to make sliders. And his slider recipe was he got 80-20 burgers, a pound. So here's you. You get a pound of 80-20 burgers, and then you pull a cold bottle of wine out of your refrigerator. You wrap it in – or you, I guess you could use a uh, rolling pin too, but the cold bottle of wine and the cold meat works. And so you roll the burgers flat on a sheet pan, and then you squirt mustard like just liberally over the, the burgers, and then you fold them in half, flatten them out again cut them into small, thin patties, and then you take an entire onion, like a big, giant Vidalia onion, and you put it on a flat top, and you 
sweat them down in butter till they're starting to brown. And then you put the thin patties on top of the onions. And then you take a piece of foil and immediately put it over top. Leave it there for five minutes. Come back. Put fresh, freshly cut um, sharp cheddar cheese on top of each one of those little fuckers. And then you leave it on there and then um, just pour oh, a little salivate. bit of water on. And then it steams up the cheese. And then after another two minutes, you pull the foil off of it. You turn off the flat top and you take those little sliders and you, you just scoop the, the caramelized onions underneath with the cheese. And you put them right on top of a slider bun. Dude, it will change your <laughs> fucking life. You don't That's even so need to detailed. put anything else on it. You can you can use maybe a pickle, maybe a pickle, but dude, I'm telling you right now, for this burger week, make those fucking sliders. Go on the Google, type in out brown sliders, change your life. Wow, that, I, I, that was so detailed. I, I did not expect that, but that sounds great. I, I was just gonna say, like, I was thinking tonight, seriously, like, maybe I need to get one of those Blackstones because I, the only reason I grill the burgers up. Like the the kids, they want hot dogs or chili dogs. Yeah. The boys are like, like just call going crazy wanting chili dogs. But you got to have something. If I'm gonna, I got a charcoal charcoal grill. It's a, it's a waste of time just to throw some dogs on a charcoal grill. You know what I mean? So usually I go out there. My wife gets so mad, but I'll go out there with like eight burgers, two or three steaks, and <laughs> you know on the package of hot dogs. You know I'm gonna fill, I'm gonna use up. I'm gonna make sure that charcoal is getting. I'm getting every cent out of that thing. Uh, but it's such a pain in the ass. I mean, there's uh, with uh, with you know the flare ups and all that. And I thought, well, maybe it'd be better just to get it to cook these on a griddle. I hate cooking it inside. Dude, get a fucking griddle. Get I, it. I, well, I, I mean, I because I hate cooking it, you know, on, on a cast iron on the stove because the grease splatter is just a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. Get, Plus, it'll like it'll change are, your uh, your pancake game too. Burgers are one of those weird foods that you really like. They are so much better everywhere else than your own home. Most yep. of the, you know, what I mean. Like you, you're better off getting them somewhere else because, I mean, you and you can. And it's such an easy thing to make, but you could fuck it up so easily too. Well, uh, Jude, what have you had a Wahlburger? I, I no, I I don't know that it's available in in my corner of the of you're upstate New York. New England State. That's a New York. That's a New York Boston thing, though. I think there's some discrimination against uh, famed Bostonian Mark Wahlberg <laughs> and uh, the state of New York. So upstate New York doesn't count, though. I mean, I, I know it doesn't count as New York. <laughs> I mean, maybe the way, pe- we'll, the way that people talk Cuomo around has here. A, uh, yeah. Maybe the, the ban applies statewide. Not, but uh, I am definitely going to talk to my wife about seeing if we can do an Alton Brown uh, slider Saturday. Sort Dude, of thing, just hit so. it. Just hit it up right now. Go to the Google machine. Well, I, after after you listen to this pod, just type in Alton Brown slider. It's the t- it says. Just mini man burgers with grilled onions. It's the very top one. It's fucking the. It's it's a game changer. So so speaking of sliders, there's there's always a huge debate on Twitter between Crystals and White Castle. Have you guys had? Uh, we're up north, so it's White Castle Supreme. Have you guys had Crystals? No, I've never even heard of Crystal. I've heard of Crystal, but I've not had it. Okay, it's good. It's good, and. And it is worthy of a debate, uh, but I don't believe you'll. It, it's a lot like uh, 
if you're far right, far left politically, you're not going to change the other person's mind. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, like the, if, uh, if you're if you're from the north, it's white cat. In and out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, in and in and out's overrated. I, really, I just really I don't I'm not sure. Well, let's put it this way: I can get five guys a lot more frequently than I can get in and out. But I've had in and out now four four times, and I've just every single time I've just said, "Okay, that was a thing that I did they're, again." Their fries know? are trash. Their fries are trash, and I hold that against them. Their fries well, are you, yeah. Well, salted, limp. Disgusting. You know who has got great fries? Sonic has great fries. You guys Sonic, ever heard no, of Sonic fries? Yeah, Sonic, yeah. Sonic has yeah. a lot of great everything, but they keep yeah. closing. Yeah, like, there was there was three Sonics around us, like within like a in like three different directions, that like thirty miles, which is like because like Hicks was the center of the world sonically, uh, and they all closed. And it's like it's such a bummer. Like <laughs> like that was like a, that was like a really good go to. Uh, for my wife and I, when we were like, we weren't sure where we were going to go to eat, but like, didn't like want to go to like a, a, a nice sit down to like, let's just go get something and crush it. Uh, and Sonic was always like a good, a good compromise. And now there is no Sonic. Like it's just, it's not in our, it's not in our area anymore. And it's so freaking sad because there's so much goodness on there. Our Sonic still exists, but at, I probably once out of every three weeks when I go to it. They're like, sorry, we're out of large cups, a jalapeno poppers, and they're like, they list like seventy-eight things, and you're just like, <laughs> could I have a shake? And they're like, we don't have cups for shakes. And you're like, can I have a burger? And they're like, yes, but we have no buns. You're like, um, okay. That's like st- that's like steak and shakes now. It's like hit or miss if a steak and shake is even open. Like it, it could be like two o'clock on a weekday, and this is even before COVID. I would roll up on a steak and shake, steak and shake, and it'd be there'd be a just like a a piece of paper taped to the speaker saying, "Sorry, we're closed today." Like what the shit? I, I only go to Steak and Shake for there's only one thing you get at Steak and Shake, and that is the, the Frisco Melt, the, which the is logo. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Frisco Melt is the that is the most that is the best Frisco Melt out there, including Hardee's uh, Frisco sandwich, which is pretty good, but it's Super ridiculously thick, but yes, I, uh, Frisco. I I didn't know if it was like a supply chain issue related to COVID or just bad management or what the deal was, but you know, uh, they have this Red Bull slush in the summer, and I'm hopelessly addicted to it. And it's a lot of empty calories, but you know, that's me. I, so I've been meaning to tell you, I've been meaning to th- thank you uh, for you know you bringing up the cranberry Red Bull. Uh, I. I <laughs> I made sure so, I made sure like I needed to give it another another shot, and so I did. And then I I like I like hey Keek, so I had my wife try it out. Now she, who she, and she's not an energy drink drinker at all. Period. She had one and she's like, damn. So like tonight she left for work. She's like, did you get that cranberry Red Bull? <laughs> like, no, oh, no. Like, you shouldn't she need that shining that now for getting your wife addicted? First of all, you can subscribe and save on Amazon to Cranberry Red Bull. And I know this because I have a lot of Cranberry Red Bull in my house. And so now my new thing has been to mix it with vodka. And I'm trying all these little, uh, you know, those little uh, one-off vodkas they they sell at um, the the checkout counter. Oh, yeah. 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 So I've been actually trying all these different ones like blue raspberry and cherry and 
Uh, I won't try the salted caramel because I think that's that's asking for trouble. But today I tried the uh, Fruit Loops uh, one, and I've got to say this is the that was the first one I mixed with cranberry Red Bull where I was like, yep, no, that's actually not something I would drink. But the um, one of the blue vodkas was was super good. Um, I, I was actually oh prickly pear. I got I had prickly pear one the other day. It was fantastic mixed with the cranberry Red Bull. So. Um, huh. just get crazy. It started experimenting with the, the vodkas. Uh, I love, I love the kind of feeling cause it doesn't get you kind of crazy. Um, you know, cause sometimes I can drink a Red Bull and then like want to start doing Jamba Jacks. But, uh, every See, time I, I mix it, every time I mix I'm it, with on vodka, a two, I'm on a two day like, habit right now, which is wow. like, I like, so, so I quit. What was it? Last well, I live in that Ed Ogeron lifestyle. Right yeah, now, I was going to say yeah, 2019 <laughs> Yeah, 2019, I gave up energy drinks, specifically the blueberry Red Bull was why it was what I was like killing. How did you I, feel? I, I, I gave it up for Lent and it, it hurt. It hurt to give up. Yeah. But after I, what, but once I got, we got to Easter, I stayed off of it. Did, did not have any Red Bull. I didn't have any energy drinks at all for pretty much the rest of the year. I didn't start drinking Red Bulls again. Until I think Corona hit, <laughs> and I was just like, "Fuck it." Uh, so, but now I'm back up on my bull. I'm back on my bullshit of because uh, you know I don't sleep much anyways, right? Like four or five yeah. hours. Yeah. So the Red Bull like makes me feel like a normal person. Uh, but I so now though it, I buy a red one and a blue one. Oh, how very American! I, I am very. I'm, I'm a true patriot. Despite what? Uh, no, I won't even go there. You're a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. Hey, speaking of American, uh, did you? <laughs> did, you did I see Brennan's Photoshop? And did I think it was great? Yes, I did. Thank you. Which one? Uh, the one where he took Brian Kelly, put it at put it on him at Hulk Hogan's body. Oh, yeah. Hogan. Hollywood. Yeah. Hogan. Hollywood that, and, that is uh, that is fantastic. I was, no, I was going to say I was very proud of my um, uh, Brian Kelly uh, mixing it into a little Billie Eilish uh, bad guy. Oh, yeah. okay. So I got to tell you, I'm too old. I actually did not did not understand that reference. I watched that three times. I saw everybody like fawning over it, and but I had no a, idea what that TikTok, song was. You're on TikTok, aren't you? I had no idea what you're that song t- was. But yeah, she is. Uh, she's the late, latest sort of. Um, no, I know uh, who she is. Breathy, I, just, I, uh, I guess I just didn't know who. I, I guess I didn't well, know the no, name of the song. I didn't know anything, and I was just like, I was like, what are we doing here? And I was like, I want to. I, I know it's Brendan. I know it's clever, but I just I, I don't get it. So. Sorry, Brendan. That one that one made me feel old. It's, it's okay, Jude. It happens just, to us all. <laughs> it it was, happens to every guy. It's totally normal. <laughs> I know this is out of left field, but I just saw a guy with a, a profile, Twitter profile, and he had a hashtag defund PFF in it. And I'm pretty sure that's pro football focus. Oh, just so. Just say, just saying that might be that's the most random. I do, I do have a very love hate relationship with PFF. I love the fact that they are lauding Notre Dame with all of the praise right now, but I'm also very aware that through two slash three weeks of the college football season, that any of the conclusions that they draw are absolutely mind-numbingly right. ridiculous. Because there's some teams like the highest-rated uh, offensive tackle in college football is the Oklahoma State guy who played one football game against, you know, a border borderline FCS opponent. Um, well, I think you also bring up a, a good argument for why the, 
um, the early season polls are such trash and why we, we are continuing to scratch our heads at people who doggedly hold on to these polls. Like they mean something, you know, like I just, I don't know where to put Ohio state right now. And I don't, I won't know until they start playing games. So this idea that you're just like, ah, they feel like the third best team or in Penn state <laughs> feels like the seventh best team. It's like, okay, sure. But yeah. you know, people, people surprise you all the time. You know, there's people that are preseason number two and, you know, don't, don't finish in the AP top 25. Right. So I liked how it, the coaches snuck, uh, snuck the big 10 teams back in there, but Notre Dame still ranked ahead of Ohio yeah. state and Penn state. I like that. Uh, so bravo to that. <laughs> I love the fact that, um, the big 10 will return to action after Notre Dame has taken a self-inflicted two week sojourn, uh, before returning to action against Florida state and the big 10 still hasn't ramped up and gotten ready to start playing football games. That's what I like. Yeah. It's Which just, by the way, unfortunately for um, me, kind of kills this whole, like making fun of the person for who's the Ohio state fan that I work with, because I was giving her such a hard time about the fact that, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll, we, everyone told us to join a conference and everything will be fine. And I don't know what happened with you guys, you know, and now her team gets to play again and my team's on little mini hiatus. And, uh, so are you saying that you got touched by the monkey paw? I did. It was a, it was a boomerang. It was a boomerang. Yeah. I got so now, now two, the, now the, there's just two the fingers remaining. Got me. The there's just got two me. fingers remaining. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, speaking of which, if, if we want to roll these two topics in, in together, you know, PFF listed the teams that were most harmed for the college football playoff, uh, with the re-inclusion of the big 10, and everybody's going to finish second in a championship game. <laughs> everybody that's going to finish. Se- so when you look at it, um, the four teams that end up getting uh, tabbed for it are Notre Dame. Jo- Notre Dame's number one with a bullet. Georgia, UCF, Florida. So it's two SEC teams. So it's the group of five team, and they mistakenly picked UCF instead of Cincinnati. And then it's the uh, the the runner up in the uh, SEC East uh, that gets that gets hers the most. There's Notre Dame in the SEC East that gets, and then yeah, I guess whoever from the group of five, because when Ohio State comes back to play six football games this fall, and their inclusion into the college football playoff is uh, assuredly um, assumed at this point, right? If I got to look at Ohio State's schedule. I'm I'm not sure who yeah. they're losing. I I don't know, but I haven't seen him play yet, so <laughs> I, I reserve yeah, the right I, I, to be very wrong. So I got a question for you guys. Sure. Oh my god, I I hate myself. I I really do. I, <laughs> I hate I hate the I hate the question I'm going to ask you guys. So I I so I'm just thinking. I've been I've been thought I was thinking. It's like. We talk about stuff and I say like, I don't want to fucking talk about this, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, so now it's buried in my damn head, right? It's like, it's all I freaking think about. Uh, Well, not really because I'm a dad. Anyways. So what happens when Notre Dame and Clemson meet up and both Trevor Lawrence and Ian Book are out for coronavirus or contact tracing? And it's Brendan Clark versus Tyson... uh, Dude, let me spell his last name. F, not F. It's P H 
O-M-M-A-C-H-A-N-H. Tyson. What? Fomak? No, that's not their quarterback. Their quarterback is. Um, DJ Uglia. Yeah, Uglia. I'm looking at, I'm, Uglia. Look, I'm looking at their at their updated. Uglia. Listen, this depth is their chart. updated. Anglia. Anglia. Yeah. Their updated depth chart. Looking at Clemson's depth chart. The yeah. the Fo Manchu is what I, that's all. That's only way I'm going to be able to pronounce it. Tyson Fo Manchu is the number two quarterback. And the and he's a, a redshirt freshman. The true freshman, DJ Ugle Ugle, is uh, the third street quarterback. Angla Lele. So, Lale. let's. Well, Brendan, I, I guess I would say. What happened, said? What happened? Look, what happened? All, all kidding aside, didn't Jack Kaiser prove to us that people can surprise you? Right? Like, I don't. Like, I know yeah. that you. I don't know if it's more a bit than an actual thing, but like, I know that you're very high on Brendan Clark, Josh. And so, which is, um, it's not a bit, it's okay. not a bit. Can I tell you, can I tell you what, what but happened? I mean, I'll but, tell you what happened. But it's kind of a half it's advantage. Because, Notre Dame. No, one, no one else, no one else is, uh, is in my corner on that where I like Brendan Clark a lot for, for particular football things. Uh, and I, so I have a belief in him past this year. Uh, even next, I mean, I think Clark's got a kind of a leg up on uh, on Tyler Buckner. I mean, for sure. Uh, but so no, it is not a it is not a bit uh, like some other things may be, but that is definitely not that that is, that is a, a a true belief right now uh, in Brendan Clark. It's advantage Notre Dame. I think that's I, I think that if that is the scenario where you are presenting that Trevor Lawrence is out and Ian Book is out, it is advantage Notre Dame because the difference between I think Ian Book is the best, absolutely far and away the best quarterback in Notre Dame's roster. I don't even think that it's close. But nice. I think that Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick of the NFL draft, a transcendent talent in the college game, and a quarterback that is going to Maybe go down. He's he's been in college football two seasons. Well, what you're saying? The gap between Ian, Ian Book and Brendan Clark is like quadruple the gap, or, or is the the gap between, between Trevor Lawrence and his DJ backup or is quadruple yeah, to what Ian Book and okay, yeah, yeah. And so I think that I that, that potentially changes what Clemson wants to do. And I think if it's Brendan Clark or even you know if if it's um, uh, you know Drew Pine. I think that it doesn't necessarily change Ian Book's game plan quite like maybe it does with Clemson. And, and maybe I'm wrong because they have, you know, he's a, he's a five Travis star. Um, and they have Travis Etienne at, but, but um, Notre Dame's offensive line probably is better at least four out of five positions or maybe five out of, you know, four out of five. And, and but the, I mean, if Trevor Lawrence goes first. down, if Trevor Lawrence is out, Travis ATN's, um, uh, impact is actually lessened, even right. though you want to use him more because they're, because you can key in on him. You don't have, you're not as, you're not as threatened by, uh, uh, you know, Fu Manchu or, or, uh, or the, uh, or DJ there, uh, <laughs> DJ or Taysom. We'll just go by the first. Yeah. We'll, we'll do the, um, yeah. we'll do the Lou Holtz they're where he called Takembe Biakabatuka, Mr. B. Um, yeah. we, we'll they're, go they're with Sharon Madonna. 
Yeah, which <laughs> <laughs> that's their new name, Sharon Madonna. Uh, yeah, I mean that with with uh, sweet baby Kyle Hamilton in the backfield. Uh, yeah, I I uh, I think Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is heavy. I think it's a heavy advantage Notre Dame at that point. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe I'm just drunk. I don't know. I mean, Amari I mean, Rodgers is really things. good. Amari Rogers is really good, and Travis Etienne is really good. But they still have a lot of questions on other parts of their roster that I think need answering. And you know, they—they're mostly. They're, I think I'll get into it when we're we're looking at um, Clemson's uh, roster. But when you look at the overall talent of the two rosters, they are very similar in terms of their talent ranks. It's just that Clemson's highs are just so phenomenal. Notre Dame is more of a, a tortoise. It's, it's, it's slow and steady. They don't have the lows that Clemson's roster has, but Clemson's highs are, you know, enormous for whatever reason, Clemson feels like they need to hire or sign all of Brent Venable's children, all of Kirk Herbstreet's children and Davos <laughs> kids all get invites. I mean, there's Drew Sweeney, there's two Venables on their roster, and there's two Herbstreets on their roster, but, which pushes down their But none of those guys numbers. are on scholarship, though, right? No, no, um, the, they, they are. There's uh, at least half of what? them are. I think uh, Ty Herbstreet's on scholarship, maybe. Uh, one of the Herbstreets, or at least, uh, yeah, I, I, I can get back to you on as far as which ones are on scholarship. But some of some of these players, I believe the Venables are on scholarship for sure. So and very this, low three. So Cher, aka Tyson, he's a uh, he's a uh, he's out of Connecticut, Bridgeport. I, I don't I don't I don't I I would think I would know more about this guy this cat uh, and I don't but yeah Avon Old Farms which is a familiar high it is a good high school in Connecticut but it's Connecticut it's not Ohio both both Venables are on scholarship and both of them wear low three stars both okay. of the Tyler and Jake Venables because they're um, scrapping. Then, GJ um, Ukulele is a his his rating his composite score in two four seven is point nine nine four nine. Yeah, he was he was the yeah he was one of the the top quarterbacks coming out. I I know all about about that cat and I yeah and if I said Hawaiian I it's just because the last name he's not he's a Cal he's from California yeah uh, so I don't know I think, do, do you I got think, any thoughts. I, all, all kind of speculation aside, I'd like to see Notre Dame play a full, healthy Clemson squad and be a full, healthy Notre Dame squad. I think you know, oh. watching two great teams play each other is oh, you're, is God, you're no fun. That's the worst take. That's the worst take. <laughs> you're no I just want to see Notre Dame have every possible advantage. This, how about, how about this, this year is so. This year can is nothing com- but team chaos. Can we anyways? Com- hey, like, can we compromise on this? Right, the first game is everybody's healthy. The ACC championship game is your Brendan Clark versus oh, I love this. backup yep. situation. All right, I'm on board. Okay. Choo-choo, okay. all aboard. Okay. <laughs> that, I mean, that's team chaos. That is team that chaos game, right there. Because that's the game that sends you to the playoffs. It's not yep. the first game. Ty Herbstreet, by the way, is also on scholarship. And would you like to know? And Jake Scott, Jake Herbstreet's also on scholarship. Both of them. Would you like to know their composite uh, scores? Two, four, seven. 
please. Uh, Ty Herb Street is the lower. He is 0. 0.7697. Um, that's like bordering on two star status. Uh, so you know what? You know what? Good for you, bud. You're on scholarship. Um, you probably don't Way need to get yourself a scholarship. The lowest rated player on Notre Dame scholarship is Harrison Leonard, um, who's not on scholarship. I just have him on there. He's, uh, but uh, nope, Alex Peich, the long snapper, is the lowest rated, and he is point eight zero three zero. So Peich is rated higher than uh, either of the Herb Streets. The Herbies yeah. what, kids. What, what was what, what was it? Point seven what? Um, so one Herb Street was. Let me uh, pop back on over to their. Point seven six nine seven, and then uh, Jake Herb Street, uh, who's a safety, he's five eleven. Uh, he's point seven seven nine seven. They are uh, far they and ju- away the least. They just just uh, Bruce edge Hedgie. out Bruce Hedgy, our man. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, Bruce Bruce Hedgy was a point seven six six seven two star. Oh, and her tie was 0.769. I know. So they are, I know. So, they're hedgy level players, and they have two of them. So okay. So they're they're transferred to Ball State then. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I think that they're probably going to just uh, learn life lessons with Dabo. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize those guys were on scholarship. But I mean, I guess yeah. you can afford to do that when your top end is like the top end. Oh, it's you the know, top it's of the top ends. Yeah, 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 it's the top of the top ends. So, you mean you know, yeah, Demarcus <laughs> Bowman, KJ Henry, Miles Murphy, Xavier Thomas, <clears throat> so while, Crazy. While I have it, while I have it pulled up, I, I just want to, just for shits and giggles, I want to read you guys off the 2010 uh, Notre Dame recruiting class. Oh no! Just a sweet reminder, and I, I, I won't this. say what I won't say their star ranking or anything like that. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna list off the names here. Lewis Nix, TJ hey, Jones, Ooh, Christian him. Lombard, Alex Uh-oh. Welch, Andrew yeah. Hendricks, oh, no. Cameron Roberson, hey, who? Prince Jumbo. Oh, good. May 12th, not Andy Spahn, uh, Kendall played. Moore, uh, Kona Schwenke, uh, yeah. Tommy motherfucking Rees. Hey, look at that. Coach's son. Spencer Boyd. Who? Chris Badger. Oh. Low Wood, Spencer Bennett Boyd. Jackson. It's been a hot minute. Justin Utupo, uh-huh. Daniel Smith, Luke oh, Moss, Mrs. Hey, he played Mr. a game. Skylar Diggs, Tate Nichols, Tate Derek Rock, who? Austin Collinsworth, Bruce. Uh, yeah, the- and also a special shout out to uh, Matt James too, as well. Was uh-huh. part of that. Class. I. I was talking with my wife the other day um, and I referred to Jack as the more talented Collinsworth because while Austin played uh, division one football and even started, right. He, he, he was a captain. He was, he was captain. captain. But I mean, we cannot excuse the fact that Jake Collinsworth is, he's going to be a star, right? So he, think- he will be Jack. Uh, yeah. Absolute star. Oh, yeah. He's going to be an absolute star in the media in the next 10 years. I mean, he'll be on a major. He will be on a major broadcast. I don't know if he'll be in the NBC booth, but he's got he the will TV be calling. Can, can we talk about that. his attire from Saturday? What did you feel about that? I want to. I, I want to talk about that too. But before we get to that, Jude, okay. I, I I just want to put. I want to make sure. I want to put this out in the universe real quick before we move on to what Jack was wearing. 
Okay. I think we have a po- I think we have some podcast episodes of the future uh, here where we're gonna do we're gonna go back in a time and go over these recruiting classes. How do you, how would you guys like to do that sometime? Sure. Like we'll pick we'll pick a class like this, and talk about just re, let's retalk let's rehash class 2010s a great class to talk about 2006 would be another uh, great one to talk about mainly because of the amount of players that are like you're like who. What? Uh, but anyways, so yeah, I, that's, that's definitely in the future uh, for sure. Cause that's, that sounds, that's my kind of fun talking about Jashad Gaines uh, so, who, who went back home to Las Vegas and, and never returned. Uh, 2013 ND class is kind of the one, right? Uh, th- there's, there's a lot of classes that are the one, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so anyways, I, yeah, I'm not, that's super casual for trying to get for get yourself out there, right, Jude? I was like, that guy looks comfortable, and I'm here for it. I uh, actually really <laughs> liked it. I saw a lot of people complaining, and I think that made me lean into it even more because I, I'm not. I'm not. What do you mean they were sure, complaining? Like, what do you mean they were complaining? They were just like, this guy looks like he just got out of the club, or you know what I mean? It was just sort of like a. They were they were marking on it and they were they were negative because he was it was too casual. But I was like, it's a you college know, football game. It's one not of the church, things, you know, one you of the things that the NBA bubble, one of the things that the NBA bubble has has brought to the world is the fact that you don't need to wear a suit to coach basketball. And in oh, fact, God, no, the more and more you think about it, it's fucking silly as shit to wear a suit. It, it's just like just major league, major league hold baseball up. managers used to wear suits. Why do they wear cleats though? Um, I would, I actually would like it more if college football coaches went more, um, Tom Landry and wore like the full on suit and, uh, the fedora, uh, or like bear Bryant than sort of like, uh, on this podcast, wearing say, a smock on this podcast, you say more like Frank Brendan, frankly here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but like, or, like, you know, you know, Rule showing up on the sidelines for Baylor wearing essentially just a smock. And did you see what Bill Belichick was wearing? It looked like moss. Yeah, do, do you want college coaches to look like Al Golden, who was wearing a shirt no, and tie down no. fucking or, Miami, I, just sweating through like a pig, like within like. But what about Jim Trussell wearing, you know, the sweater vest? Um, it gets pulled up here in Ohio. I mean, that the sweater vest tie that. That was a hell of a marketing thing. You know what I mean? I wish Brian, here's, here's what I'll say. I wish Brian Kelly would stop wearing the dumb Notre Dame sideline apparel and wear those bomb ass suits that he wears to press conferences. Right. <laughs> Give me the dark. Tartan, uh, uh, it's, just, it's the wrong. It's I wish wrong Brian vibe, Kelly would though. stop wearing visors when it's 30 degrees outside. Yeah. But he doesn't look good in a hat, though. Brian, I mean, Brian also dips into the puffy there. jacket in November too. Yeah, he does, he, he does he's a big fan of the puffy jacket. Well, he and Under Armour does a really jacket in that very sad jacket. Michigan game. Yeah. It, it's like something out of, it, it looks like uh, the dumb and dumber uh, ski outfits. I just wish <laughs> he was wearing that ski outfits and handing out bills like uh, Lloyd was. He needs to do it like, in the, like on senior day when the seniors come out. You just handed out bills to the seniors. Just as Lambo doors open up and just boxes pile out. And he's just like <laughs> handing out bills. It's just all under armor gear boxes. <laughs> Jesus. 
No, I think it's, I think, I mean, it just, it's, it was noticeable. Collinsworth was noticeable. And I don't know if I really cared for it too much, but I didn't, I never once, and I have a whole lot of fashion hot takes when it comes to the athletic world. I never once thought about, uh, turning on the Twitter machine and, and bitching about it. Like they're wearing, well, yeah, I mean, the whole thing what, what bothers, old, what, what bothers me more than that, proud. what bothers me more than that is like, uh, like all the ESPN, a lot of guys do this where they're wearing a suit and tennis Sneakers. shoes. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. Like either not either wear the shoes that go with suits or wear the clothes that go with the shoes that you're wearing. Cause that is not a look that should last. That should be dead. That needs to die. Like, well, now you, I think you're showing your your Jude Billy Eilish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, is the, that is the hotness of people showing up to their weddings in tennis shoes. I didn't. I wore the it's finest just, it's Corinthian not, leather. <laughs> well, in First Corinthians, they say the best leather is the Corinthian <laughs> leather. <laughs> I don't know. I just the tennis shoes and suits needs to die. That's the thing of our gener of this time frame that just that needs to die. So what Jack did, he did he didn't try to fake it up, right? With a tennis suit with a tennis shoes and suit. He just looked like a Collinsworth out there who's pretty much had his life handed yeah. I would say handed to it. Like, he looked like a natural dressed guy who didn't who didn't feel the yeah, need like, to wear a jacket and tie. You know? Like, hey, it's on talent he alone. Like a guy who was six feet apart from the man he was interviewing, unlike what they were doing ESPN, where it was very awkwardly they were from the stands. Did you oh, see yeah, that? Maria Taylor in the stands? That was weird. That was very awkward. I liked how Collinsworth did it, where you know they just had the distance. But Ryan Kelly didn't look comfortable doing it. No. And he's, I, I mean, he's I a comfortable speaker. He, he didn't look comfortable. That looked bothersome to him. Tommy Tremble looked comfortable. I and think me, I think Brian Kelly just doesn't care for like those is Brian Kelly, interviews. Is Brian Kelly more like an LBJ, where he's got to like lean on into you a little bit? Well, he used to lean into tap, but but I think it was because it, it was usually pretty loud in there. I don't think you really need to do it when there's only ten thousand people in there. I guess you got a point. But you because look real strange. She's you always asked really questions. strange and, and creepy if you were. She had ten thousand. She'd always ask a question, and all of a sudden you'd hear, "And there's a magic," and she's like trying to ask her poor question, you know. So yeah, like we got ten thousand before we get out of here. Indiana moved to phase five, which that's uh, all. So it's 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 free reign. It's free reign except for the mask mandate is still up. Yep. So they might have some people in the stadium come Clemson mask. You know but they're they going to try. They're going to try to get it there. Yeah, they probably will. Yeah. And what the, what a chaos to get the, the tickets out and get them, you know, sold and distributed no and everything. I, I, I disagree wholeheartedly. Okay. There's no there's no way. The, as much criticism as you want to throw Notre Dame's way for making bad mistakes and going after money and making bad decisions, I think this week of of all things taught them a valuable lesson and like trying to play it fucking safe for the rest of the season. They're not going to bring in fans for the money just to like it go wild on them. And then they're screwed after that. You know what I mean? Here's the scenario I'm going to provide to you. That's a monkey. I don't think that the Syracuse game is going to allow fans either. I think they will be, I think they will stick to what, what they've been doing because they're just, 
trying. I think this week has taught them a lesson in risk management. And, you know, what's your risk reward there? This uh, is so my I, monkey claw moment that I'm going to put out there. Just like um, yeah. when I jinxed uh, Kyle Hamilton blowing out his knee in the the, the podcast before the <laughs> the week one uh, game against Duke. They're going to let like, you know, 500 five uh, 50,000 fans into the stadium for the Clemson game. Cause they want to get a raucous uh, environment and they're going to pump it up. And then that next week versus Boston college, uh, they're not going to lose everybody, but they're going to lose a chunk of their roster. Cause they decided to, to, to pump that crowd full and the sins of that Clemson game are going to get paid forward on that Boston college game. I hate uh, you. And wouldn't that just be the worst? I hate you. That's terrible. That's terrible. Just put it out there. Somebody, I mean, it's calling my shot. All right. <laughs> Do you, I, can we talk quickly about the, the Ryan Ayers thing? Cause that's weird, right? I would like to, but I mean, what the hell do we know? We don't know anything. But, right. but what we know is, I mean, I thought I read Tom Noy's column in the South Bend Tribune and I, and I thought he he's on the same wavelength as I think all of us are, which is you don't say just 19 words about a dude who did all the stuff that he's done. I mean, he's a former player. He's, by all accounts, a, a good assistant, somebody that Bray liked, somebody that Bray kept close, somebody that Bray brought in um, specifically to coach for his staff. Like there's something happened there. And I, I, I just feel like there's just no way we're not going to find out about this. And it's not yeah. something criminal, but it's something that results in well, needing to well, separate funny you themselves. That. Right. It's funny you mentioned that. So Pat, Pat got a story up this morning about it because it was just so weird. We were kind of, you know, kind of waiting to see what might be said before we really said anything. You know, I didn't feel like we needed to get like just a two word, you know, article up about a 19 word, uh, or a you know, 300 word article up about a 19 word release. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, he got one up this morning and, you know, people are talking about it. And I, so I ha- put one comment in there and it said, you know, all of this is say airs fucked up. The degree of fucking up was high enough to force out, but not high enough to call the FBI. I just, there, something happened. This is, this is even stranger than the chip long thing. Is this because, like a is this like a recruiting no no sort of like gray area like where Bray was like look I just can't have this on my staff I don't and you know what I don't know maybe and it's irresponsible of me to speculate but it just it just yeah. feels like something it's again it's not a criminal enterprise it's not something where they're like they should they should have to disassociate themselves with with him they're just like they just don't want to continue this relationship right now you which know? is so I just we look. And Pat said it best. He's like, look, if Tom Noy, who's as connected to the men's basketball program, was surprised by it, yeah. as you'll find the beat, was like blown away, what? surprised by this. Yeah. This means we don't know anything about this. Right. Do you think I, that I it mean, could be an instance like the San Diego Chargers team doctor who oh, where he punctured, punctured the lung? The lung? Of a player. Do you think, is he do you think maybe Robbie Carmody's? I think it was kneecap? Robbie Carmody's kneecap is oh he was God. going to inject a, uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, you know, some pain medication or, into his kneecap and he just, he ruptured the kneecap uh, is I think what happened there. I think, I think that that's pretty much confirmed. Oh, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. It's another season out for Carmody. Oh, that's brutal. I, by the way. It's, it's, it's brutal. 
I mean, it, it's it's what's it's sad and it's terrible because look, Carmody was good enough as a play. true fresh as a true freshman. He he got a start as a true yeah. freshman, which under so, Bray that just doesn't happen. No, so you're looking at and when it does happen, it's really good guys. Yeah. So you have this incredible talent who just cannot catch a break. He cannot. I mean, he. He catches breaks all over his body, but not in his life. Yeah, yeah. How about the fact so, that Tyrod Taylor could have played with with recovered cracked ribs this week, if not for the fact that a doctor punctured his lung, and then now the doctors are saying can't, you can't play. Like the yeah. doctors are holding the him. The doctor out is that. straight up Doctor Nick, right? <laughs> Hi everybody! Hi everybody! Just a, just a quick injection <laughs> in your ribs. Oops! Oops! Your lung. Everything went perfect, and then you know. Justin Herbert decided, or maybe, maybe, maybe the uh, maybe little uh, San Diego's management paid him off. San Diego, L.A. Chargers management paid him off so they could get an excuse to get uh, Herbert in the game. So yeah, oh God, what a what a, I mean, just could of all the bad breaks you. I mean, look, Robbie Carmen, he had some bad breaks, but like this Tyrod Taylor thing is like is is like other level just. I've yeah. never heard of anything like this. I there was a baseball player who sprained his eye or something like that. Sprained his eyelash or his his uh, eyelid. Sprained his eyelid, and I was like, "Wow, that's got to be the weirdest ever time to ever miss a game for something." You know, what Joel I mean? Zumaya uh, blowing out his arm playing guitar. Uh, don't why uh, why 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 are you bringing that up? And then he ruined his zoom, zoom? moving boxes uh, from uh, California uh, wildfires. Man, I, remember what, Je- I remember Jeff Kent had a motorcycle accident and, and he, and he said he, he fell off his truck. Like he was washing his truck and then Bobby, it turned out, Bobby, no, Bobby, he was actually doing motorcycling. Bobby Petrino was actually doing motorcycling. Uh, yeah, he was. Um, Somebody fell off the back end of it, though, right? <laughs> we should have Christiane on for a special uh, Bobby Petrino episode. I'm sure she's got stories. Yeah. She worked for Bobby? I'm pretty sure she was there at that time, right? If nothing else, she once dated the lead singer of uh, Third Eye Blind, and that itself is worth uh, five minutes on our podcast. You know what? Maybe I'll ask Christiane if she wants to, if she wants to come on. Maybe she wants to wrap a little bit. We'll let her talk about anything that's happening with San Francisco politics for five un- uh, uninterrupted minutes if she wants, <laughs> if she's willing to dish dirt about Stephen James. She will burn podcasts to the ground. <laughs> San Francisco politics sounds kind of <laughs> shitty. <laughs> so, all right, let's wrap this up. Uh, man, I, Jude, what, uh, you got anything to, to send us out on? Yeah, just my thoughts are with uh, Steve Newman tonight. Um, he's going through some medical stuff. If if you're a part of the ND, you know, Twitter sphere, you probably know him as Tax Bastard. Uh, Steve's a guy who's got a real generous heart. He's been uh, giving up his time, his money, and his energy to uh, make the lives of of the underprivileged kids in his school district in Michigan uh, a little bit better in terms of donating food and donating uh, clothes around Christmas time. So. Um, not a hundred percent sure what the extent to all of Steve's, uh, maladies are, but he's been looking for prayers the last couple of days on Twitter. So if you're the praying type, I uh, appreciate you keeping him in your prayers because uh, he's one of the good ones. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Brendan, do you got anything left? Man, I don't have uh, I don't have anything that can follow up Jude. Thanks a lot, Jude. No. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> I know, no, I'm good. All right. Well, <clears throat> I guess I I had two I have two different things. And so I am uh I'm flipping uh my chew can to figure out which one I'm gonna do here. Uh let's see here. Oh, okay. So to go out, I am going to list off the 2004 recruiting class. Oh my God. I find this extremely therapeutic. Okay. Extremely therapeutic to do this. We are definitely doing these these podcast episodes of the future. Uh, this all just happened tonight. All right. So this is a Ty's guess, last class, right? This is a this is a way. Yeah. This is a way to just kind of make sure people keep things in perspective for what's happening right now. And by the way, I can't wait to get Deion Colsey back in the class. That's going to happen <laughs> on Monday. So this, and when I list these off, this is the highest rated player from the class on down. I'll, I'll let you know. Here, here's the four stars uh, in the 2004 recruiting class. Four stars, Anthony Vernaglia, junior jabby. Three stars, Justin Hoskins, Terrell Lambert, Darius Walker, which, by the way, is the wrong picture of Darius Walker on 24-7 site. That's not Darius Walker. Uh, Three-star Maurice Karam, Brandon Nicholas, Chauncey Incarnado, John John Cadu, Ronald Talley, David Wolk. On to the two stars, Abdel Banda, Justin Brown, Darren Bragg, Leo Farine and Treg Duerson. If you think that Notre Dame's recruiting is in shambles when they're ranked 13th to 14th, you know, you know, both seasons, take a little trip down memory lane for just a minute. And I know lots of you hate the fact that we're like, well, he's better than Ty. He's better than Weiss, but you still have to look at it as a, you know, Last 20 years, what were you getting? For 20 years, what were you getting? Things are good right now. Chill the fuck out. Have a little fun. Take the losses in stride. And enjoy yourselves a little bit more. And for whatever's left of this season, you need to take that advice times like a billion. Because it's what we have left, and it's it may not be a whole lot more. You just My named God. somebody there that sounded like a Harry Potter incant- incantation. Is there a guy who named Expecto Patronum uh, that you just named? You talk about you talk about Incarnado? Yes. Ohio. Harry Potter. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Dover, Ohio. Is he, he's the only player in the last 20 years uh, from Dover, Ohio, uh, that, that went to Notre Dame. Just FYI. Can yeah, but this say, picture of Darius. Can you can you say his name as if you were Hermione Granger and you were um, putting a, a, a witching spell on somebody? Chauncey Incarnado. <laughs> Thank you. What is the Harry Potter? Is that the main character from uh, the hit movie Trolls, uh, the 1980s version, Harry Potter Jr.? Oof. Don't slander Ian Book. Do not slander Harry Potter. Harry, we will not stand for this. We will not. We definitely will not. All right. That's it for us. Um, 
I am not sure about next week's uh, podcasting schedule. Uh, there won't be two podcasts next week. I'm going to give us a little bit of a break uh, because, because it's uh, obvious reasons. Don't even, I don't even need to laugh about it. Obvious reasons. Uh, but we will have a podcast for sure next week. Uh, it'll be a, it'll be an impromptu cheeseburger uh, deal for the, that next week too as well. So for everyone here on the cat podcast, go Irish. <laughs> <laughs>